DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Brian Howell, Colorado Buffalo's beat writer for Buff Zone and the Boulder Daily Camera. Brian joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Please visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Brian, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? We're doing well, and I'm curious if Buff fans are doing well or if they're still stung by Mel Tucker bolting after a year and they're upset that Carl Durrell is in. Or, given all the events in the world and the coronavirus, it just seems weird to complain about college football coaches. And so, really, the whole thing's just kind of uh, quieted down. Yeah, I don't don't think anybody's really upset about uh, Durrell being the coach, but I think they're going to be stung by Al Tucker for a long time. I mean, that was, that kind of came out of nowhere and, um, you know, Buff fans were blindsided by that and uh, there's no love lost, uh, you know, between Tucker at this point, but I think he's a guy that has a lot of roots at CU and uh, they're ready to get behind him. Yeah, Darrell's a likable guy, that's for sure. Got to know him a little bit when he was down there with uh, the Bruins, and now it's the second time around here, and it's a big gap in between. Um, He has a a difficult job to an extent. You look at the quarterback, and it seems like Montez was a starter there for about eight years. (laughs) I know that's impossible, but it just seems like he was there for a long, pretty good quarterback, and obviously got a free agent look here in the NFL. Quarterback situation, I listened to Darrell's, he did a teleconference call, I think, last month, and he was talking about the two quarterbacks on campus, you know, one's a freshman and one was a backup, Uh, but now they don't have an opportunity to have that spring ball. How do you think that competition is going to play out? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, You know, not having that spring ball for them uh, was is big because, uh, you know, they had the freshman that enrolled early, Brendan Lewis, that they really like. He's a dual threat from Texas. And, um, you know, there wasn't a, that chance to go through a spring ball. And then uh, you've got a couple of veterans, Tyler Lytle as uh, a junior, that uh, I think is probably the front runner at this point, especially with no spring ball. Uh, he'd probably be the front runner. He was Montez's backup uh, each of the last three years. And then, uh, you know, Sam Neuer is a kid that uh, was a backup that, Tucker convinced to move to safety last year, and at the end of the season, he goes into the transfer portal, and then they convinced him to come back because they needed some quarterback depth. So, the three guys there, the program, you know, there's not a lot of experience. And, uh, you know, Neuer, the one that I think missed them. And so I think it's it's interesting to see how that competition is going to play out because they don't have that extra uh, spring and summer to evaluate these guys. So we all watched the NFL draft because there was nothing else on. And LaVisca Chenault, obviously, uh, you know, they got to him and there's a ton of hype. And we all remember him and all the big plays he made. And they rolled a bunch of them out there because we show the, you know, the, the video and the best players, uh, the, the best plays by the best players. So obviously he made a lot of big plays. Who can make big place who's a game changer for him now that he's gone i think they have several i mean they've really stockpiled the wide receiver uh, position over the last few years and katie nixon is one that uh, we've seen over the last couple of years that didn't have a great year last year and uh, i don't think he uh, really adjusted well to the offense they ran last year but you know darren chivarini is the offensive coordinator and his position coach and he's running things now and so i think he's going to be a big part of the offense he's a guy 
like LaVisca, not the same size, but he's got that versatility where he can run the ball and also catch the ball. I think he's a game-breaker. And then I think Daniel Arias is one that uh, he's only made a couple catches in his first two years, but uh, that's a potential all-conference type receiver, big kid that you know has just kind of slowly come along in the last couple of years. But he's one that, uh, you know, Shiverini believes could be a first-round draft pick by the time he's done. Looks like I can possibly pencil in Fontenot for 1,000 yards as a 1,000-yard rusher for the Buffs. Uh, possibly, but they've got competition there as well. I mean, Jared Mangum was a freshman last year that uh, played really well, and then they've got a, a four-star recruit coming in from Louisiana that they really like as well. So I think it could be sort of a three-man uh, rotation there. And But I think Fontenot you know, certainly came close to that 1,000-yard mark last year and, and could go for it, but I think that it could be more of a by-committee, three-man type rotation. Given all the free time all of us have, uh, I've had time to go through some recruiting stuff, and I looked at, uh, and, and it's not a perfect list probably, but we'll just use it for purposes here. Um, 24-7 Sports lists all the top in-state athletes. Uh, and, and Colorado doesn't have a lot of four-star kids. I think there was one in the 2019 class. There's two in the 2020 class. Now that the 2019 class is done, you go back and you look, and only two of the top 10 in-state kids went to Colorado. And of the top 16 kids, 12 went to Pac-12 schools, but only five went to Colorado. How is this new staff constructed as far as recruiting? How much talent do they think they can get out of Colorado? Can they get back to Texas, which they recruited really well when they were in the Big 12 and they had really good teams in the Big 12. Have they shifted to Colorado because Carl Durrell obviously grew up in San Diego, played at UCLA, coached at UCLA. Is it going to be more of an emphasis on Colorado? How's Colorado going to recruit going forward? Yeah, I think they're still going to stay in California and Texas as much as possible. I mean, those have been the keys to their success in the past. And, you know, this is a state that's got some talent, but, you know, as, as you mentioned there, there's not a lot of four-stars. There's not a lot of great talent in this state. And, you know, and so I think there's a lot of times that the coaches say, well, we'd rather take a third-tier receiver in Texas than the top-tier receiver in Colorado. Uh, you know, LaVisca Chenault was kind of a third-tier receiver out of Texas coming out of high school. And he was better than anything that was here in Colorado. So um, I think it's tough to recruit this state because it's a transient state. and There's a lot of kids that, that really want to uh, go out of state, and they don't want to come to CU. And I think uh, the, be- the best way for CU to recruit in-state is to start winning football games because they're not real attractive to the in-state recruits right now. And they're, they're going to do their best to try to get these guys, but I think it's really tough to get them right now. A stud linebacker, I think, went in the third round. Taylor, who's going to be able to step up defensively? He lost, uh, you know, really (laughs) kind of a raw player that I was developing, and they're going to miss him. But uh, Nate Landman, uh, the inside linebacker, is, I think, one of the top couple of linebackers in the Pac-12. I think he's going to be uh, big for them. But they've got to replace Taylor on the outside. They've got a few guys that are raw, uh, got some potential, uh, that, w- that we'll see, you know, it's kind of like quarterback where we haven't seen a whole lot of these guys in the field. So uh, it's hard to know who's going to step up at this point. But Carson Wells is one that is a junior that uh, you know, has been around the last couple of years. He's played well, and he's one that they're going to need to step up. 
So with the transition with the coach and the transition at quarterback and a transition with a big-time playmaker, how much hope is there in the short run? Because I think most of the preseason stuff, Colorado and Arizona are constantly at the bottom of the Pac-12 South. Does anyone expect a quick turnaround? Uh, or is it the notion that, yeah, they're going to be near the bottom of the Pac-12 South and it's going to take a while to, to grow their way into a better spot in the division? Yeah, in my opinion, I, I think it's unrealistic to expect them to be real good this year. I mean, especially the fact they have no spring ball and no summer. You know, Darrell came in late, is, and I mean, he barely got his staff hired right. So uh, these coaches hadn't even really had a chance to get to know the players and, uh, and certainly have never been on the field with them. So um, I think it's unrealistic uh, to, to expect them to do much this year. I mean, I could see a three- or four-win season uh, this year, and, and that's tough for them. Uh, like I said, going back to recruiting, that's going to be tough for them uh, for a little while. Uh, this might be something that kind of stunts their growth for a couple years. Do you think they need to tone down the schedule? I mean, they're opening up with Colorado State, Fresno, and Texas A&M. Uh, you don't never know uh, from year to year, but uh, that, that looks like it's a little beefy. It is a little beefy, and it's a lot beefy. <laughs> you know, I, I did something on the schedule a year or so ago, and uh, there are not many examples around the country you can find that, of schools like CU that have scheduled so many other Power Fives over the next decade. And, uh, I mean, they've, they've bitten off a lot, and I think a lot of it is, you know, financial. They want to get uh, attractive games for their fans. But, I mean, you look at that schedule, and there's a lot of seasons coming up to where, They've got two Power Fives as their three non-conference games. So, you know, and they've dropped a lot of the FCS games. So, you're looking at, at seasons where they're playing like uh, TCU and Nebraska, you know, something like that. And that's tough. And I think that's a lot uh, to bite off right now for a program that's really struggled. And um, you know, I'm curious to see how that plays out for them. I mean, this year is you know, with only one Power Five, that's sort of a soft schedule for them if you look at the next decade. So. This year's not too bad. Is the CSU rivalry solid? Are they going to keep playing that on a neutral field? Is it going to revert to home and home? What? How is that going to play out? Uh, this is the last year of it, actually. They're going to play. Uh, last year was their last year in Denver. This year they're playing up in Fort Collins, and then they take a break for a couple of years, and then they're going to return to on-campus sites. And it won't be every year, but they'll play – kind of two years on, two years off. That's the kind of their plan for the, for the future going forward. So what I'm getting from you, correct me if I'm wrong, is you believe Tucker's departure is going to set the program back a couple years, or do you think the program was going to take a dip even with Tucker? Well, I think the combination of the Tucker departure, but then also uh, this pandemic and, and not having – this offseason with the new coach. I think those two things combined are really going to set this program back. And um, not so much the, I think it's more so maybe the pandemic than the coaching change, okay. but uh, certainly the late departure of Tucker and, you know, Darrell being hired so late in the process combined with this, I think it's going to set them back at least this year. And, uh, you know, we'll see going forward, but I think that this year is going to be real tough for them. So, obviously, they've been rebuilding a lot of facilities there. Does the pandemic impact the timeline of all of that? Because a lot of the recruiting issues could be traced back to the fact that they were kind of behind in the facilities race. Yeah, not really. It's because their football facilities have been built for a couple of years. Well it's done. more 
they've got some long-term plans uh, for other upgrades that they haven't even started yet. So um, I don't think the pandemic affects that yet. Um, I think if there's no football and they and there's a loss of income there, that certainly could change things. But I think right now it doesn't affect really what they want to do uh, facilities-wise. Well, Brian, we appreciate a little bit of time. Thanks for joining us, and we will uh, we'll follow the buffs down the road. Thanks for coming on the air with us. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.